welcome to Tell of His Goodness. Why did the kid why did the kid cross the playground? Why? To get to the other slide. Oh, the slide. Yep, that's a good one. That's our oldest son, John Hudson. He brings a lot of laughter into our home. But his life has also taken us on a unique journey of seeing God's goodness even when things aren't good. In season one, we heard of God's goodness and salvation. But can we continue to tell of God's goodness even in the midst of trials? I'm your host, Carrie Stafford. In 2016, John Hudson was diagnosed with a severe heart defect. As I retell our story through my journals, prayers, and letters, my hope is that you will join me in saying yes, even in the midst of my trials. God is good. Episode 17 of Season 2, The Author of the Story. April 17th, 2016. Father, we are three days out from meeting John Hudson. So many thoughts and emotions. We have been given so many details about his heart and what this next month will look like, but truly the only one who knows what will happen is you, and you are good. You know what second he'll be born, how surgery will go, what our stay at the hospital will look like, what day we will go home, how many diapers we'll change, how much sleep we'll get or that we won't get, how many tears we will cry, what needs we will have, literally every detail you have planned out and I can trust you. Help me remember this when plans don't go as I thought they would or even as the doctors said they would. Help me trust that your plan is happening. No one can change it and your plan is perfect. Even reading in 2 Samuel this morning, I see how you have a perfect plan that no one can change. You promised David a throne and established a kingdom from his line forever, and you fulfilled your promise and plan in Jesus. Praise you, God. April 19th, 2016, Tuesday. John Hudson's birthday is tomorrow. Well, it's hope. But Father, I can trust you. You know how labor is going to go, and you know the exact moment he's going to be born. I've been tested this afternoon, which drives me to press into your truth and be confident that you have a plan and it will not fail, and I don't have to fear because you are good. The test was this. I had two people contact me today with connections to other people who had or have a child with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. One of these moms lost her son after spending three months in the PICU because his body didn't take the first surgery well. The second has a four-year-old who has completed the three surgeries but now is in need of a heart transplant. These scenarios are not my plan, but I want to totally relinquish my plan and trust your plan. Although it will be different from my plan, I trust that yours is the best plan. Nick told me to find two passages in the Old Testament where I can see how something bad or difficult happened, but it turned out for greater good. So here we go. 1. Joseph He's thrown into a pit 
and sold as a slave by his brothers, Genesis 37. He's falsely accused and thrown into prison, Genesis 39. Then in Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph says, For you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people, including the line of Jesus, should be kept alive as they are today. Number two, Ruth and Naomi. They both lost their husbands, and Naomi lost her sons while living in a foreign land. Ruth, as a widow, follows her mother-in-law to a foreign land with no family or friends. This brings Ruth and Boaz together, which continues the lineage of Christ, our salvation. Several times on this podcast, you've heard me mention that the Bible is one big story that all points to Jesus. Or maybe you've heard me refer to the Bible as the story of redemption. I've also mentioned the ESV story of redemption Bible that helps lay this out as you read through the text. But I'll never forget in December of 2011, 12 years ago, my friend and now one of the elders of my church, he sat a group of us down to teach us this simple yet profound truth that the entire Bible, yes, Every part of even the Old Testament is all about Jesus. Y'all, I grew up in church and in youth group, yet somehow I missed out on this amazing reality. And now I'll talk to anybody who, you know, is reading the word and I'm like, you know, it all points to Jesus, right? I mean, I can't stop talking about it. It's been 12 years since I understood it, since my eyes were open to it. And though I may not have said it back then, before the 12 years ago where I learned this, I was kind of in the mindset that there is this God of the Old Testament who I wasn't so sure about. And then there was this God of the New Testament who was super loving. So I decided to just grab on to the parts of the New Testament that made me feel good and that seemed easy to understand and leave the Old Testament for the grown-ups who could figure that part out. Except, of course, like the pretty Psalms that didn't confuse me, like Psalm 23 or Psalm 139. (laughs) But around 2010, I started reading through my Bible from cover to cover, starting in Genesis, finishing in Revelation, then starting back over when I finished. And side note, it's not as intimidating as it sounds. If you read three chapters a day, which takes about 15 to 20 minutes, you can finish the whole Bible in a year. Go do it. Start today. Don't wait till January 1st, okay? All right. So in December 2011, my eyes were open to this amazing storyline of the Bible, So, buckle up, people, because if you haven't heard this before, I'm about to take you on a wild ride. For all my Southeast friends, it's going to be more exciting than riding down 30A with the windows down, seeing the beach for the first time, okay? Get ready. Buckle up. Seriously, this is a lot, so get ready. (laughs) Maybe get your notebook out. Okay, I'm going to give you a few fast facts about the Bible. Okay, here we go. The Bible contains 66 books and is divided into two big sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. The Bible was written by 40 different men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Bible was written in three different languages. The Old Testament is mostly written in Hebrew with a little bit of Aramaic sprinkled in, and the New Testament is written in Greek. 
The Bible was written over a period of roughly 2,000 years. Okay, I give you these Bible facts so that we can realize how incredible it is that despite all of these different authors throughout those many years and multiple languages and diverse locations, that there is still one big story being told about a mighty God who wants to unite all things together in Christ. Only God could do this, okay? So, I'm basically joining Mission Impossible's Ethan Hunt in the IMF, Impossible Mission Force. I'm really sorry if you don't watch those movies. And going to give you a summary of the entire Bible in just a few short minutes. I'm definitely going to skip over some parts, which is why you should go read the entire Bible for yourself. But I do hope this will open your eyes to see the story of redemption throughout the Bible. All right, people, I've broken it down to 10 points. Okay, you ready for this? One, creation and fall. God created Adam and Eve to live in peace and joy-filled submission to him. They broke the one command God had given to them after being tempted by the serpent, Satan, and sin entered the world. But... At this same moment in the story, God gave them an incredible promise. In Genesis 3.15, God curses the serpent and tells him that one will come from the family line of the woman, Eve, who will crush his head. Someone is coming who will defeat evil and the evil one. Okay, for years I paid little attention to this part of the story until someone told me this verse was about... Jesus, what? You mean to tell me that as soon as sin entered the world, God gave his people a promise of salvation when he could have justly given them the full punishment for their sins in that moment? Instead of pouring out his just wrath, giving them no chance for reconciliation with him, he offers hope and life. Yes, and he already had this plan in place all the way back then, actually from eternity past, Yes! What kindness! What foreknowledge! Ah, okay, number two. Here we go, number two. Noah and the Tower of Babel. So, we're going to keep following this promise of one to come. Sin is rampant. It's everywhere. When God's glory is meant to cover the earth through his creation, now his created people are just covering the earth with sin, sin, and more sin. God sends a flood and saves Noah, yet even after this, sin continues to spread. In Genesis 11, the people decide they want all the glory, so they build a huge tower leading up to the sky. But God confuses their languages, and the people disperse according to the language they're speaking, creating different people groups or nations. All right, I had to throw that in there because, well, you can't skip over Noah. Come on. All right. But listen, so we got the different nations, we got the different people groups speaking different languages, which leads us to number three, Abraham. Something really important happens in Genesis 12, right after the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. God chooses a man named Abram and gives him a promise. God tells him that he is going to bless him and that through him, through Abram or Abraham, all the families of the earth, all these different people groups that have just been formed, will be blessed. Y'all, guess who God is talking about? Guess who is eventually going to come through 
Eve's family line and now through Abraham's family line, who's going to bless all nations. Jesus. Yes. (laughs) I'm really geeking out over here. So stay with me. And if you're hearing this for the first time, then I hope you're losing it with me. All right. Number four, Isaac, Jacob, Judah. So the same promise is given to Abraham's son, Isaac, and Isaac's son, Jacob, who is also later given the name Israel. Then Jacob, a.k.a. Israel, has 12 sons who become the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel, who you'll hear about all the rest of the Old Testament. Well, before Jacob dies, he blesses his 12 sons, and he gives a very specific blessing to Judah, saying, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Okay, this may seem a little mystic sounding, but in these words, Jacob predicts the great empire of the future king, David, which we'll get to in a moment, and also the greater kingdom of, guess who again? King Jesus! Yes, it's all about him. It's all leading to him. All right, that was four. Number five, here we go. Exodus, wilderness, promised land, judges. All right, so the Israelites, they become enslaved in Egypt, and they're brought out by God through Moses. They receive the Ten Commandments and the instructions of the temple, sacrificial system, the priesthood, which is all a picture and foreshadowing of, guess who again? You got it, Jesus. They wander the wilderness for 40 years, then enter the promised land of Canaan by the leadership of Joshua. The Israelites were under the leadership of different judges until eventually they begged for a king. Number six, kings. Their first king was Saul, who ended up being a terrible king, and God takes away his kingship and hands it over to our next person we're going to highlight, King David. King David is from the line of Judah, and God gives him a very significant promise in 2 Samuel 7 that echoes Judah's blessing that David's kingdom will be established forever. We see the same promise given to David's son, Solomon. Then we continue to watch the story play out as the nation of Israel splits into the northern kingdom Israel and the southern kingdom, which is called Judah. The nation of Judah, they continue to have kings from the line of David, but then both the northern and the southern kingdoms are taken into exile. So what about this promise of one coming who will defeat Satan? Of one coming who will bless all the nations. Of one coming from the line of David, whose kingdom will be established forever. Well, keep listening. Number seven, prophets, exile, post-exile, silence. So before the exile, during the exile, and after the exile, until somewhere between 500 to 400 BC, there are prophets speaking on behalf of God to the people, telling them many things. Many of these prophecies continue to echo the promises, letting people know that one is still coming to save, to bless, and to be the king. And just to not skip a significant part of the Old Testament history, the Israelites do eventually come out of exile, return to their land, and rebuild the temple. You'll see this in the Old Testament books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Then between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there is what people refer to as the 400 years of silence. Then... Number eight, Jesus is here, y'all. Okay, here we go. But the silence is broken by the good news that a young woman named Mary who is betrothed to Joseph is going to bear a son, the son of 
God who will save his people from their sins and that they should call him, you guessed it, Jesus. He's here. The one spoken of in every single of the 39 books in the Old Testament with the 29 different Old Testament authors spanning over a thousand years. This is incredible. (laughs) All those lists of names that we call genealogies that you see throughout the Old Testament where you're like, I can't pronounce these names. Why is this list so long? Why is it here? And you also see this list, the genealogies at the beginning of Matthew and Luke. They actually serve a purpose. (laughs) They show us the family line of Jesus and that God's that God's promise that he gave us throughout the Old Testament, that it's come to pass and that they find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Number nine, New Testament gospels and letters. So then we get to read about Jesus' arrival, his life and ministry, death and resurrection, and ascension into heaven in the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We get to see how the gospel spreads and the church is established as we read through Acts. And we get to hear more about Christ's work, the glorious gospel, instructions to the churches, and more as we read the letters the apostles wrote in the books of the New Testament. Number 10, Revelation. Last but not least, we hear how Jesus is going to return in glory and God's people will be with him forever in perfect peace as we read Revelation written by John. Y'all, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus, the whole Bible. How did I miss it for so many years? Goodness, if you have not heard this, I hope you're amazed. Oh, goodness. Okay, well, here's the question. Why in the world did I find it so vital to share all of this with you today on this podcast? How random. Why? What does this have to do with our day-to-day life or walking through trials? Everything. When we see that God is a God who is in control, whose plans can't be thwarted, who is able to make promises and keep promises throughout generations, despite all the twists and turns the biblical characters experienced on their journeys, I feel a confidence and a rest even when the day doesn't go according to my plan or what I thought the plan was going to be or should be. When I read of a God who says that he works all things, every detail together for his glory and for the good of his people, and that this is the story of redemption he's written for us, it fills me with peace, even in the midst of my hardest moments. When plans the doctors give me about how a procedure will go or their expected discharge date, when those plans don't come to pass, I can remember that God has a plan in place that is more amazing than I could have ever imagined. He is the most brilliant, perfect author. He's the one writing the story and I can trust him. This doesn't mean that every part of the big story or our individual stories won't involve hardship, pain, and loss. We live in a broken world where sin abounds. Consider the trials of Joseph, who was sold into slavery, Ruth, who lost her husband, David, who was being hunted by Saul. But in each of these stories, we see how God was putting all the chapters together to create a magnificent novel of redemption. Those with faith and trust in God can be like Joseph 
who looked his brothers in the eyes, his brothers who betrayed him and sold him into slavery and proclaimed with confidence what you meant for evil, God meant for good. We can trust that God knows what trials we need to walk through so that our hope is not in this life or in temporary passing things, but in him alone. I pray today's encouragement has grown your love for God's word, opened your eyes to his amazing plan of redemption, and grown your trust in our Heavenly Father, who is the author of my story and your story. And at the end of my life, when they ask me why I was different, I will tell 